0: Would you open God's precious holy word to the Revelation 21? We've come to chapter 21 and verse 1. So here is exactly how it's gone in the Revelation. God the Father promised. The uncovering, I'm used to it. (laughs) Nothing bothers me. Uh, He promised him the gift of unveiling or uncovering. In other words, this is the last book of the Bible. Now the Father has granted that we... His people can see who Christ really is. So he gave him this gift, and that's in chapter one. The early church in the 90s AD, of course, knew about Christ and had even developed the infancy of the doctrine of the deity of Christ. There was no way they could have a real understanding of the Christ of God until the last of the living apostles, John, on the Isle of Patmos, was commissioned, assigned, called to write All that he saw. Thus we have this unveiling, the apocalypsis, the the, uh, manifestation, the revelation, the revealing of the real Christ. The gift that the Father gave really to us so that we could see the glorious Christ in all of his absolute power. Now here's why I say this. For those of you who have been with us on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights for several months, we have seen a picture of the Christ in the Revelation 1 and how he looked. He looked like deity himself. I mean, he, he had hair like wool, eyes like fire, and feet like burning bronze. He spoke with a voice that sounded like Niagara Falls, like many waters. Then he calls for the messengers of seven churches to receive each one a letter, seven of them. After that, there is a picture of glory and worship in heaven. And then right after that, the judgment of God, the wrath of God begins to fall. For seven years... The tribulation, it begins with heaven proclaiming and acknowledging finally that the one who was worthy to break the seals of the scroll was the Lamb of God. So seven seals are broken beginning in the first part of the tribulation in the seven years. And each seal brings an increasingly harsh Judgment upon the world. The seventh seal gave forth to the seven trumpets that would be blown. The judgment, the trumpet judgments are worse than the seal judgments. The seventh trumpet then opens the judgments of the seven bowls of wrath. As we saw toward the end of the seven years of tribulation, and of course, it's, it's very clear in the Bible that the last three and a half years are far worse than the first three and a half. In the middle of the tribulation, the Antichrist establishes himself in the minds of people as God. God. And at that point he has no need for further religion. He destroys it and he has his false prophet. And at that point he is energized by the dragon, by Satan himself. So he's far worse and more powerful over the people, the earth dwellers I call them, not the saints, the tribulation saints. But those who follow after the beast, they worship him and they take his mark He's far worse. And so the people following him blaspheme the God of heaven and those who are in heaven which would be the saints, the angels. All these tremendous things happened. The, un, the loosing of all of those demons out of the Abysos, the abyss, demons that had never been allowed to have access to the human race before. Those, those four angelic man, magnates at the that are bound at the Euphrates River who are loosed and their followers are loosed and just all kinds of stuff happens and then there's war it's like the empire is beginning to break up a little bit and the kings of the east begin their march and nations begin to seemingly break away and there's a war where all of them are headed to Armageddon now, Christ then returns in power and glory with all of the saints and the angels in heaven because realizing that the Christ is coming again, the armies now join forces, no longer fighting one another, and they turn their, their allied powers against the returning Christ. And, of course, it was kind of a useless thing to do. We saw how the Bible described the horrific scene of of, uh, death and destruction. When all Christ did was open his mouth and the sharp sword came forth from his mouth, all he did was speak. And his enemies died except... For the antichrist and the false prophet who were captured alive on the battlefield and cast into the lake of fire. Then the dragon was bound and put into an ab- the abyss for a thousand years. Satan. The judgment of nations. We saw that all the enemies of God, all unsaved people who were alive were cast into the, into Hades. Hades is to be understood as the first portion of punishment, unlike the lake of fire, which is the second death of the final punishment. And the, the Antichrist and the false prophet were sent straight to the lake of fire. They were the first two ever into the lake of fire. So then with the Gentile power broken... And the Christ of God established, recognized in the revelation as the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he begins to set up his millennial kingdom. The thousand years are just said to be the thousand years. There's nothing else said in this portion of Scripture about them. Now, there are other portions of Scripture that we can take and put it all together and get an idea Of what those thousand years are like, but this is the final age of man in the first universe, the first earth, the first heaven. Then the universe, Christ sets up the great white throne, which is the final judgment, and only unsaved, unbelieving people are called up out of Hades, the compartment of the wicked dead. The Bible says the sea gave up their dead and Hades spewed forth those who had died and had been in Hades awaiting their judgment. The first resurrection is already over. Only the, only the righteous people had part in the first resurrection. And we followed that we talked about how Christ in the order in the first order of resurrection we get that from Paul in his letter to the Corinthians every man raised in his own order in his own rank Christ was first reading the gospel of Matthew certain saints came out of their graves after Christ was resurrected so there was a resurrection that probably represented first fruits And the Son ascending into heaven would have carried the first fruits of resurrection to the Father. The next time then is the rapture of the church. The rapture and the resurrection of those who died in the time of the church. The next one would be the resurrection of the two witnesses And then finally, I think we talked about this last time, the resurrection of the Old Testament saints at the close after the Battle of Armageddon and then at the establishment of the kingdom, the resurrection of the tribulation saints, those who died in those seven years. And that was the first resurrection and we read it in the Bible, blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Then the great white Throne. Those whose names were not in the book of life had only one recourse and that was to fall back on the works that they had done in their lives. You only have to sin once to be a sinner. And if you're a sinner and you don't have a savior, then you're you're defiled in the presence of God. You, you, You have no covering of righteousness. So then... they all were cast into the lake of fire along with Satan, the dragon. Now when the white throne was established, the Bible says earth and heaven fled from his presence. Christ said himself, again in the Gospel of Matthew, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Peter said the elements would melt with fervent heat. We talked about this last time. When Christ set up the great white throne, everything in the first order was dissolved. It disappeared. It exploded. It went away. That includes earth and all of the universe. What was left was the lake of fire, the great white throne. And all who had been in Hades. Because the Bible says Hades gave up the dead. And from from reading other scriptures. We see that those who are about to have. Those who are in the second resurrection. The resurrection to damnation. Are in corruptible bodies. That are cursed such that they will die forever. Forever. Christ said the worm will never die. The fire will never be extinguished. The sulfur, the brimstone will never be diminished. And you'll be in outer darkness, which is blindness, totally blind. And you'll weep and wail forever. So how does spews forth? Once he calls an end, to the present order of things, Hades exists no more. And whatever, whoever was in Hades has to come forth and stand in the great white throne judgment. The books were opened and there was nothing but a record of depravity and fallenness. No one there then covered with the righteousness of Christ And therefore, they were cast into the lake of fire. Now that brings us, there is no heaven and there is no earth. There is a lake of fire. And the Bible said that the lake of fire will exist in the presence of holy angels and of the Lamb of God. So that means that that there apparently is because fallen angels are in the lake of fire... Demons, fallen angels, and all of the unsaved dead are in the lake of fire, and the holy angels would always be a testimony to the truth that God had chosen them, and they were the they're called in the Bible the elect angels, and then you have the fallen, the evil angels. Christ the Lamb, and the Lamb speaks of the sacrifice for sin. Always in the presence, always knowing that they did not have a Savior. There was no Savior in their lives. And this is eternal, eternally. The book of the Revelation said they're always in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. So there's nothing there but a bunch of happy people like us and the Christ of God, of course, God Almighty, and the lake of fire. And that brings us to this point here. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. It's an interesting phrase. I've read it all, and maybe maybe some of each of the things that people have said about it can be true. For example, John was on the Isle of Patmos. He was in his nineties. He was there to die, but he fooled them all and stayed alive. And wound up dying in uh, Ephesus, I believe. But what separated him from everything he loved and the churches where he had served was this seemingly endless sea of separation. Maybe that's one of the things that he meant. There was no more sea. We are... 70% 70% water? You're supposed to know these things. You, something like that. And you can throw in another 10 or 12% of hot air for me, I guess, but one person says, you know, there's a, there's a new way of life and the source of water As it was, is not needed anymore because we have a new source of life giving water. Talk about that along the way. Whatever, the new earth is outfitted for people to enjoy it in its completion. The first earth was mostly water, but the new earth doesn't have a sea. So already, John notes the difference. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having been prepared as a bride, having been adorned for her husband. Let's reflect on this. There are three, perhaps four, Jerusalems. There's an old city of Jerusalem. There's a modern Jerusalem as today, which has in it the old city. And then there was the Jerusalem that was renamed, the Lord was there. Uh, In the Hebrew, Ezekiel talks about it. So there was that Jerusalem in the millennial kingdom. There may be even five. There was a heavenly Jerusalem. And the heavenly Jerusalem in Hebrews 12 is called the city of God, but it is not called the New Jerusalem. Here is the reference... To the New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having been prepared as a bride, having been adorned for her husband. Now, that takes us back to what we talked about when we looked at that part of the revelation that referenced the marriage supper of the Lamb. God the Father covenanted. We learn in the Bible. From before the foundation of the world, God the Father covenanted with the Son to give him a bride. That's betrothal. In that culture, after the betrothal would come the presentation. For us, that would be the rapture when we are presented to Christ. Most likely the marriage supper and the happiness of it is going to last the whole thousand years in the millennial kingdom. But then comes the consummation. And here is the consummation. But now I want you to notice this. The holy city, New Jerusalem, the New New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having been prepared. Christ said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. As a bride, having been adorned for her husband. God put away his wife in the Old Testament. The Lord Christ is betrothed has had her presented to him and enjoys. But now, if you look at this, he says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having been prepared as a bride, having been adorned for her husband. At this time, we go back to what uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians where the son gives up the kingdom to the father. It's my view and it's my belief that at this point now, after the great white throne and after everything that has happened with a new heaven and a new earth, in my view, since this city is for the bride, in my view, it's quite likely that the bride now is not just the church But all of the redeemed of all of the ages Because when you study this chapter And the next chapter There's, there's no other way To see it So here's what you have there, aren't any, there are no more lost people They're all in the lake of fire No more demons No more devil No more Satan No more fallen angels They're in the lake of fire won't ever have to worry. Glorified people in glorified bodies. In a new economy. In a new way. Of living and of life. Outfitted for eternity. In these glorified bodies. So could it be. You know. We talked about how even heaven. Heaven had suffered a revolt from the evil angels and their leader, even heaven. And up until that part in the revelation where he was kicked out of heaven, still Satan would bring accusations against the brethren, the saints of God, until he was kicked out. So what about What about heaven? There was a temple in heaven. Now a temple bespeaks of intercession and it also bespeaks of covering sin and putting sin away, taking sacrifice, exercising ritual, to note prayer and these things. But we, we're not going to get to it tonight, but on down it says there, no temple was there. He's going to just keep describing the New Jerusalem. There's no need of a temple anymore. In the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem. So here's a freshly prepared new Jerusalem. In my view, all of the saints are in this new Jerusalem. There's a new earth prepared A new universe, a new heaven prepared, and a new Jerusalem. And John sees it coming out of heaven. Later on, in a few verses on down, he talks about how the angel carried him to a high mountain and he saw the city coming down. So here, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. So now you have the lake of fire. That will burn forever. A new heaven. A new earth. New Jerusalem. Prepared as a bride. Having been adorned. For her husband. Now. It doesn't say that. The new Jerusalem here is the bride. But it does say. Prepared as a bride. So it's coming fresh from the hand of God. New heaven. New earth. New Jerusalem. And it. And the beauty of it. Is indescribable from our perspective. And John does the best. That he can do. I heard a great voice. From the throne. That's God. Saying. Behold the tabernacle of God is with men and he will tabernacle with them and they will be his peoples and God himself will be their God. Now let's take note of the the, uh, language here. Skenose from Skenero Skeno and it speaks of a tent, a thing that can move around But it also speaks of the presence of God in the earliest introduction to the tabernacle back in the book of Exodus. And in the tabernacle, of course, was the Holy of Holies, which was the presence of God with his people. But now notice here, it's not just His people is not just Israel here, it's His peoples. And God Himself will be their God. So the tabernacle speaks of the mobile presence of God. There is no more temple. We'll see that on down, not tonight, but we'll see it. There is no temple in the New Jerusalem, there was a temple in the heavenly Jerusalem angels came forth from that temple to throw out the bowls of wrath. But there's no temple in, in, the, in New Jerusalem. And that which signifies the presence of God is mobile and it's for everybody. They will be his peoples and God himself will be their God And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Let me stop there just a second. There is a measure of time. Some will call this the eternal state. That's probably okay because it will last eternally. But the Bible also says that the tree of life there produces fruit 12 months out of the year. So there's a measure of time there. Here we have a loving God whose purpose has been executed and fulfilled and He has received all of the glory and all of the honor and all the power. It's His. Now we're past the first heaven and first earth. We just, we just got past the great white throne. I don't know except just to throw out some thoughts here. Was there someone... that in the previous time was close to you and that person has been cast into the lake of fire? Is it that life for many of us has included such suffering and regret and thoughts? I don't know. But I can tell you this. Nothing will ever again Distress us. Depress us. Make us sad or unhappy. Suppose I have someone I was close to. I grew up with cousins and. I think of some of them. My daddy baptized them. In our little church way back. But they got older and got away and. I'm not their judge, but there was no fruit from their lives. And I've, many of them are dead now. And I've often wondered and thought, it's a troubling thing. It's a troubling thing. You go to Romans 8, you know that everything's going to work together for the good of those who love the Lord. We take that by faith, and yet you still have these thoughts, you know. Even things that happen. Why did that happen to me? Why did I have to suffer this shame or humiliation or, or defeat? Why this thing just sort of came at me and I don't understand. You know, there's no telling. But if you'll go back here and look, the tabernacle, the mobile presence of god is with men he will tabernacle with them now this is the gospel according to charles you can take it or leave it but i see a compassionate loving God who created me and who knows me and knew me every step of the way he wrote the book of my life according to Psalm 139 before I ever was he wrote on their pages before it ever happened that's how well he knows me could it be that after all of these wonders that I have seen and oh the end of everything and the great white throne and the lake of fire. Could it be that God knows me better than I know myself and comes to my dwelling? And I say, You know, oh Lord. And I wouldn't know whether to invite him in or I wouldn't know what to do. But I can tell you what he'll do. He'll tell me if I fall down, he'll tell me to stand up. And I will be drawn to him unlike in any other way that I've ever been drawn to anybody. And I believe we'll embrace. And I believe with a smile on his face that will run through the essence of my existence. He will say, you and I are going to spend as long as it takes for every question to be answered and every tear to be wiped away. And when we're through, you will rejoice with me in how I have worked in my creation." And, it, you know, it may take a million years. I don't know. He may, something, he may say something like, you haven't seen the marvels of the new galaxies, the new planets. You have no idea the glory of my creation. Think about that. We're going to watch God create There won't be any questions when we see the new heaven and the new earth, the power of creation from the Lamb of God who made everything in the first place, John 1. And we may fly around a thousand years, I don't know. But when we come back and he says, I'm going to go and make an appointment with your neighbor. I'll be back. We have forever to talk and to enjoy one another. And to work. So. The mobile presence of God. is with his people and he tabernacles with us stays as long as it takes until every question is answered and every tear is wiped away how how profound how jolting Will it be? Because none of us will have ever seen this before. Will it be? To watch Hades give up everyone who is in it. And there is this. Vast multitude. Of corruptible. Eternally dying. People. Screaming. Probably cursing God. God. All the way. Cast him the lake of fire. What will that do? It will make us agree with the one who wipes away every tear. Because now we understand the righteousness of God and what it has always meant to be covered with the righteousness that God had imputed to us through our faith in Christ. He who knew no sin, Paul writes to the Corinthians, he who knew no sin was made to be sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Unrighteousness is in the lake of fire. How happy to know there is no more death All those former things are gone. Death will be no longer, nor mourning, nor crying, nor pain. They will not exist any longer because the former things have passed away. And the one sitting on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Now let me go back. Let me take you back to the Revelation chapter one. Remember what I said at the beginning of this message. Who Christ really is. Is going to be revealed. To his people. And it is a gift from the father to the son. That we can. I mean we have. What have we seen? We've seen one who looks like the Ancient of Days. We have watched the first earth with all of the full wrath of God falling on it, being judged and cursed. We saw how, through the irresistible call of God, tribulation saints came forward, even at the expense of their lives, and they were saved. We've seen the disruption of every kind of natural characteristic that could exist, such that all of the water turns to blood and all of the fish of the sea die, and the smoke gets thick, and the world becomes dark, and people begin to choke even before they're dead. We've seen it all, all the way through. And here's what he says. Behold, I make all things new. We have an even clearer perspective now that the Christ of God is the creator of all things. Does that give you a higher appreciation of the lowly Jesus of Nazareth? Who willingly took on the flesh of man that he could die for our sin? Write this because these are the words faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. Here's what that means you are now in eternity. Not going to have any more dispensations of time. Not going to have any more struggling with the nations of the world and with despots and evil kings. With liars and cowards. It's done. All of those are gone away. You'll never see anything like that again. Holy, righteous perfection. Behold, I make all things new. And he says, Write this. These words are faithful and true. It's done. It's done. Here's why it's done I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end in the first order of things. John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Following then in the next verses, the same was in the beginning with God. All things through Him came into existence, and apart from Him nothing was made that has been made. Paul writes to the Colossians and he says all things are made by him for him he's the creator and he has the power to hold all things together I wasn't there to see it the first time I'm there to see it this time and now I understand he started it all in the process of time he called his own to himself and paid for them with his blood and redeemed them and then brought them to himself finally and has carried us at last into our eternal home. He is the alpha. He started it. He is the omega. He finished it. It's done. It's done. No more of that to the one thirsting I will give of the spring of the water of life without cost. Freely. Without cost. Dorian. Dorian. The one overcoming. 1 John 5. The one who overcomes the world is the overcomer. You overcome by faith. What is he saying? you know that whoever wanted me got me without cost. He spoke to the woman at the well. He said, if only you knew the one who spoke to you, you would ask and I would give you a drink of living water. Whoever wanted me Had me. So that's there. Who else? Who by faith has overcome the world. The overcoming one will inherit all things. And I will be his God. And he will be my son. And then this reference. To the occupants of the lake of fire. But to the cowardly and unbelieving and the ones having become abominable and murderers and the sexually immoral and all liars their portion is in the lake burning with fire and sulfur which is the second death. I'm going to stop there and we'll have our Deacon prayer time.